When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. What's going on, everybody? We are back sitting courtside on the Her Who Stats Podcast Network. I am Christy Winter Scott, alongside my friend, as always, Gabe Ibrahim. Gabe, the Olympic Games are in full swing and coming down to the end of it. So many exciting games on the women's side that we're going to break down today. Great catching up with you once again. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And I want to preface this by saying I do love basketball. This is my favorite sport. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. However, <laughs> in the last three days, I have gotten perhaps a total of six hours of sleep. And I'm cool with it because I've, I've, I'm, all I'm doing is watching basketball. However, at some point, because we have to do this now, because tonight, tonight slash tomorrow morning, the men play. Yeah, they do. And because we live in the age of, of Twitter, I can't just like watch that on tape delay because I'll can't. find out what happened. Yeah. Then the tomorrow, the yeah. tomorrow night slash morning. I mean, mm-hmm. wait, Thursday night. Yeah. Thursday night slash Friday morning. Yeah. The women play. Yeah. As we'll get into. Yeah. And then I believe the men play again Saturday morning slash Sunday night if they get to the gold medal game. Yeah. And the women play on the again. next day. Yeah. So, what I'm trying to say is the Tokyo games are trying to kill me this week. <laughs> if I make it through, I believe I deserve a medal. Hey, that's all listen, I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I feel you. I feel you. Cause I, I don't like the spoilers. I, you know, because we're so far behind in terms mm-hmm. of time to Tokyo, but I literally, obviously am in the United States right now, but I totally feel like I've been in Tokyo because oh, yeah. my body clock is now adjusting to Tokyo time. So I'm fine with that too, because it's all hoops. And I like the unpredictability of watching games live period. Mm -hmm. And I like to, you know, form my own stories as the game is unfolding and not be told after the fact. So I'm going to sacrifice my sleep 
for that live experience. And, you know, I feel like I'm in Tokyo. Like my body is like, oh, it's 3 a.m. You're wide awake. That's just great. No, and unfortunately, uh, my wife is on American time like a normal person. Um, yeah. So I can't be yelling in the middle. Like yeah. uh, Brianna Stewart had that and one. She did. I think it was in the third quarter. I almost yeah. got up and was like, can I say, and I remember I have to be muffled. Yeah, <laughs> muffled anything down. in my house. Yeah, happy um, wife, happy life. That's the, you know. I'm not waking her up in the middle of a 30 point blowout because Brianna Stewart did something cool. If it was a, if it was a closer game, she may forgive me that one. I don't think I could have gotten away with Get a pass. You get a pass Uh, for that. But speaking of speaking of, let's talk about that blowout. Uh, USA 79, Australia 55, uh, a brilliant, brilliant performance by Brianna Stewart. As I mentioned, this was really her first dominant Olympic yeah. game in these games. Um, but Chrissy, what, what else did you see uh, from the U.S.? Because I think this was the the first game where we thought, where I thought, yes, this is Team USA. This is this is dream team levels uh, of competition holding up to that standard that they've set for the past, what, seven Olympics? That yes. they, they hit that standard, I think, in this game for the first time. Oh, no question about it. I think, you know, outside of Brianna Stewart scoring 20 of her 30 points in the game in the first half and it just being mesmerizing in terms of her dominance in that game. Uh, Outside of that, just looking at the entire team tactically. I mean, they attacked the elbow areas, Mm -hmm. uh, listening to Chelsea Gray on the postgame presser. She was saying, you know, we attacked the elbow areas. We got into the paint. Uh, We were shooting uh, at a high percentage inside the three-point line, which I think was over 47% from there. And they did their due diligence on the defensive end, holding Australia to under 30% shooting inside the three-point line. So they did a tremendous job defensively. And we can talk about their offensive prowess all we want to, but I think what's really coming together for this USA team is their defensive energy Mm -hmm. and they're in sync on that side of the court. Do you have to have rhythm on the offensive side? Absolutely. And do they have that coming along? No doubt. But I think it all starts with how well they are reading and reacting on the defensive side. And that has in turn turned into great synchronicity on the offensive end. And when you have Brittany Griner inside going off, give her the ball. And that's what Chelsea Gray said as well. Like we're going to read how they're covering her. And if it's single coverage, guess where the ball is going right to her hands. And, you know, without Liz Cambage, I know, you know, I was looking forward to that. You know, yeah. we, we saw that in Las Vegas, even though, you know, she didn't play in that game either. But I mean, we were I was anticipating that to be like such a really great matchup in the Olympic Games. And for Australia, I mean, they had their fights. I mean, they cut it to single digits several times after succumbing to a 17-0 run in that first quarter mm-hmm. where USA looked like they were going to take off and, and continue this avalanche of offense that they were providing. But give them credit. They never yeah. quit. They kept coming in waves, you know, cut it to seven at one point. But that third quarter surge by USA, I mean, I think that did Australia in and, and there was no answer for it. Yeah, and I think one of the things that helped in a, in a weird way was mm-hmm. Diana Taurasi actually picking up two early fouls. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, th- this is, this is not a mystics podcast, but it's also a mystics podcast. <laughs> so we were, we were both really excited to see Ariel Atkins get yes. um, some first half minutes, get her first 
Olympic bucket. And I think Mm -hmm. she also helped the team really create that defensive momentum because that's it. That to me, I'm with you like that. That was the biggest thing. Like they were so connected, so in sync defensively um, Mm -hmm. that it was just, there was nothing Australia could have done really to, to beat this team when they're playing defense like that. I think Atkins just coming in, bring all that energy, bring all her Mm -hmm. defensive prowess, which as we know, watching the WNBA (laughs) is great. And then giving Tarasi a little bit of a blow to allow her to come back in and have enough energy in the second half to really put together that that wonderful third quarter. Yes. I thought that was huge in a weird way because, you know, you don't want to see Diane Tarasi pick up two fouls, but when you have this collection of talent, mm-hmm. it's not that bad. Uh, it's not right. it's not that bad for this team. And I think it actually turned out to be a really good thing. Um, but, yeah, on Australia, you know, this tournament, this felt – they never felt like they really had – they, they never felt clicking, you know, and it's just right. one of those things where they have plenty of talent. This team's really good. Do they have enough talent to beat the USA even on their best day? I'd say no, but you could convince me like, you know, right. If the U S has their worst day and Australia has their best day, then yeah, sure. Australia can win. But I, I, I don't think they had quite the level of talent that they've had in the past, especially without Liz, but right. they worked hard. They just never got in sync. And I think, you know, Leilani, this, the last year and a half for Leilani Mitchell has been so weird just because, mm-hmm. you know, last season in the bubble, she was fantastic. She comes into this WNBA season. It's a little bit out of sync um, just because of the layoff. And now she has to go off to her national team, get used to a whole new group of people. She played mm-hmm. great, but it was just kind yeah. of, it just kind of felt like it, this team never, never had that feeling. Um, and I think, you know, heading forward with Australia, like, what does this team look like in, in 2024? Mm-hmm. Um, because no one on the roster, including Liz Cambage, is going to be under 30 when we get to 2024. So where, you know, you have Ezzy Magbor, you have Alana Smith, mm-hmm. uh, great players, both in the WNBA, but where, where else are, the, are these minutes coming from that are being taken up by some of these older players who, who are not going to be there in 2024? Right. And I mean, I think you can say the same thing for the U.S. team. I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, six new players to the Olympic squad this year, a lot of young ones, too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, everything, I think, is going to shift and move during this next Olympic cycle in 2024 in Paris, by the way. Um, I'm trying to go. Um, If anyone's listening, um, go ahead and and let's hook that up. Anyway, um, I'm trying to be there. That is a bucket list city that I want to visit. And if the Olympics are there. Okay, I digress and come on back. To <laughs> Listen, <laughs> but I'm dead serious about that. But uh, with that being said, I mean, yeah, I mean, Leilani Mitchell was fantastic for them. But with them not having Liz Cambage, I think that really changed mm-hmm. what they looked like because they had prepared to have her. And that's a big change in your lineup when you have planned to play a certain way. And then now all of a sudden you have to shift and move. Uh, and not that you know, if any other player would have been missing it, it it wouldn't have been such a move. But I think with a player at the level of, of Liz Cambage and the attention that, that she brings with her skill set and, and what you can do with her on both sides, I think that really kind of changed schematically Mm -hmm. what Australia was approaching the Olympic games with. And yeah, if they have some nice young players in Magbagor and, you know, I, I love her and Smith too. Um, but, just 
depth wise. I just think that the U.S. team just really had their number in terms of that. And that's why they were able to go on those two big runs in the first quarter and in the third to solidify this win. And, you know, give credit where credit is due. I mean, the Australian national team, they've always been a medal winning team in the Olympics. And for them not to be in that same situation this year, it's frustrating, I'm sure, for Sandy Brondello and and her staff. But at the same time, you have to be realistic with what you went into the games with and without when you're talking about a player like Liz Cambage. Yeah, no, I think it's fair. I mean, look, there are things in in this game that you're not going to predict, like these games getting postponed a year, um, for example. Right. And and right. I think you know Liz Liz not being able to participate was huge, like you're saying. Yeah. Like, they just didn't, and and especially against this front line exactly. for the United States. That you if you don't have a player like Liz or multiple players that can really bang down low with these bigs for the United States, mm-hmm. you're not going to stand a chance. And, there, mm-hmm. and I think there's still a couple teams in this tournament that could do that, um, but. Just uh, the Australia just didn't have it this year. Um, but looking forward to, yeah. I'm going to plug something. I'm going to be writing an article about who I think is going to be on that 2024, 2024, there it is, 2024 <laughs> Olympic roster for the United States uh, at herhoopstats.substack.com. And you can nice. also go to herhoopstats.com and sign up for our stat service, which is 20 bucks, and get all the stats I'm going to be using for that piece. And you can yeah. follow me on Twitter at Gabe underscore Ibrahim and at her hoop sets. And you can follow Christy at Christy W Scott 51. Bang. Got all the plugs in. Uppercut. I'm swinging my uppercuts right here. <laughs> Tell them Gabe where to find us out there on socials. I love it. I, but love I it. did. I did want to ask you something related to the future of team USA basketball. Cause I thought what you yeah. said was really, was really on point. This team's going to look very different too. This okay. team's going to look vastly different once we get to 2024, mm-hmm. but we know Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson are going to be on this team. And I don't know. I've gotten the feeling in these Olympics that the next 15 years are going to belong to these two athletes and in not just the WNBA, but in basketball. Yeah. I think these two players will Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart are going to be the face of basketball in this country and around the world for a very long time. Cause when you look at how, how young they are and how much of a step they've already taken to being on that, the the leadership of this team. They're the two leading scorers of this team. Everything they, everything they do runs through Stewart or Wilson for the most part. And we're talking about a team that has a Brittany Griner, that has a Diane Taurasi, super Tina trust, all these amazing hall of famers. And we're still running through Brianna Stewart and Asia Wilson, who are both, in my opinion, in the early twenties, right at the beginning of a career. Sure. So I, have you gotten this feeling too, that, you know, we're, this is now, these two are going to be here for 15, 20 years, like Sue and Diana and Tina and Sylvia have. Yeah. Oh, no question about it. No question about it. I mean, those are bookmarks, uh, bookends, I meant to say, but bookmarks too, but uh, <laughs> bookends to what USA basketball is is going to be based upon moving forward. I mean, to the games in 2024 and even after that, obviously, and they're going to just continue to add in the younger pieces and the players graduating college and coming right in for their first experience to be an Olympian as well. So I, I'm just really excited for both of them to have this challenge and Asia Wilson this year 
um, competing in her first Olympics. And, and mm-hmm. this is not going to be her last. And Brianna Stewart, I mean, she was on the team in Rio and, and won a gold medal. So she has a taste of that. So they're looking to, to do what, like you said, Tarasi and Bird are doing, going for five. And that's not out of the question for those two young ladies. And I just think that it, it just speaks volumes to um, USA basketball and, and what they are going to do moving forward in, in terms of being a, a dominant force on the international level. I wonder, I wonder how intense these practices are going to get as we go forward, <laughs> right? Because now it's all fun and games. Everyone, everyone's excited to see each other, right? Like Stewie and Asia. Yeah, they played in the finals last year, but it was only one time. When we start getting into the future where, I mean, if we're predicting the future, I'm going to say the aces in the storm are going to be on top of the league with these two players for a long time. Yeah. We're going to be talking about them facing off in the playoffs and going head to head a lot in the future. And I wonder how intense this is going to be as we go forward. Obviously both these players are going to do whatever the team needs them (laughs) to do to win. And Don Staley's in charge and Cheryl Reeves in charge. Like, no, it's, I'm not saying it's going to be like beef, but I want to see the intensity between these two grow because I, I seriously think this, these two are going to define our sport in a way that perhaps no other players have, mm-hmm. um, even, even more so than Burton Tarasi, just because of what Burton Tarasi built and, and obviously Griner and Fowles and Charles and Brittany Griner is going to be around for a long time as well. But right. just because of what they've built, these players can take this league and this game into the stratosphere and mm-hmm. it seems like they're just doing it. They, they have no, there's no inhibitions to them. They're just going to do it. And I really love seeing that in these Olympics. I think that's the biggest story for the United States um, right. beyond just getting to the semifinals, just being able to see this and, and have them be your stars. Right. It's special. It's a special, special thing. It's almost like a little passing of the torch. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have players, like you said, with like Tina Charles, who this is her third time, you know, and, and can she get five? You know, of course, yeah. you're, you're looking at the longevity. You're also looking at the excellence and the sustained excellence over the course of time. And, you know, when you're looking at the dream team from 92 on the men's side and how many superstars were on that team and Hall of Famers. I mean, you're looking at the same thing right now on the women's team uh, for USA basketball. And. I think, you know, the documentaries, again, you know, I always tell you over the pandemic on NBA TV, they had all of the, you know, mm-hmm. the backstories and all the, the great um, telltale narratives of the experiences like with the dream team and Magic Johnson and Bird and Michael Jordan and all of them and how they had to mesh and Barkley and all those guys and just the underbelly of, of what that truly entailed and how that just really sparked an international interest in the game on the NBA side. But I think with the WNBA and USA basketball already kind of being meshed in that way, because a lot of the WNBA players playing overseas, I I don't think that that will be the same kind of thing that comes out of the USA basketball dominance. But I think when you're talking the, the inter-competitive narratives and the stories like that, um, you know, I just think back to that scrimmage with USA basketball and how Michael Jordan and, and Magic Johnson were going at it. And there was a changing of the guard yeah. during those games. Right. So when you're talking about that now with these teams, with with Stewie and with Asia, I just think that, you know, there could be something like that going on with Tarasi and Bird kind of passing down that competitive torch yeah. where they are 
um, saying to each other, listen, hey, iron sharpens iron and it's your turn. So I think with that 92 Dream Team, we saw that happen on the documentaries. We saw Magic pass the torch onto Michael. He didn't, it was a little reluctant, but he eventually did it um, because he knew. He knew uh, that Michael It was going to happen next. regardless of, of what exactly. Magic did. Exactly. You know, Michael, Michael had next and Magic knew it, but I mean, we're all super competitive. So it's hard to, to come to that and actually say it out of your mouth. Like, yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's next, you know, but I think if you ask Bird and Tarazi the same question, they're going to compete. Like that's not going to stop their competitive fire, but they also know who's next. And they've also kind of um, figuratively uh, while they're in practices and, and having their narratives with the current players, whether they're first time or, or third time Olympians, they're telling them like, this is what's expected. I mean, it's gold or nothing. And, oh. and that's just the way it's going to stay for the USA. And that, yeah, no, for sure. And in basketball, it's always going to be gold or nothing for the USA. Um, mm-hmm. Also, while you're talking, I was, I was doing the math a little bit uh, for Tina to get, if she wins her third gold medal here uh, to get to two more Olympic games, she'll be 37, which is not impossible. That's super easy. She can do it. 40. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, t- Tina, I was kind of, it's kind of not, I was, when you said that, I was like, oh, that, that seems a little stretch for 37. Uh, she could do it. Although she do that. Tina has many other interests in basketball outside of that. So she, she may just be like, eh, four. if I get to four, it's fine. Um, but they have to get to, she has to get to three first in this. There you go. Has to get to seven in a row first. First first. <laughs> um, right. And to do that, they're going to have to get past Serbia. Serbia yeah. beat China 77 to 70, uh, mm-hmm. a game that was at 9 p.m. on the East Coast of the United States, which is awesome. Great job. Way to go, Olympics. I watched that game and I was totally fine. I wasn't delirious. But <laughs> <laughs> the Serbian team is very good. Lots of lots of uh, former WNBA players. No one in the WNBA right now. Sonia Vasic, sixteen points, ten rebounds, has been dominant in yes. this in, for Serbia. Uh, she's been the best player for the Serbian team for a long time. Twenty twenty one EuroBasket MVP when this team um, made their run. Anna Dubovic, also mm-hmm. former WNBA player, thirteen points, six assists. Really a lot of talent on this team. I think they have enough talent to challenge now on paper, the United States, not if, not if the United States plays like they did against Australia, if that yeah. happens, no one's going to beat them period no. anywhere for anything, but they could give them a scare. I just think with this Serbian team, they're so defensive minded. Like they, mm-hmm. they really, you know, they pack it in. They kind of want to body blow I call it the body blow theory where you just kind of, you know, you're trying to get bodies on bodies. You're trying to get rebounds. You're trying to make the game a little dirty. Um, right. I don't think that's going to work against this United States front court. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to have enough to score against mm-hmm. team USA. Um, but if you were, I'm, I'm going to put you in the shoes of, of Serbia. So if you're the Serbian coach and you're looking mm-hmm. at this, this front line here of the United States, how would you try to attack it to, to, you know, get a little bit of offense going? Cause they, they haven't done great at getting offense going in this tournament. Right. And I, I just think that, you know, it's everything starts for me with defense. And while I love to see the ball goes to the basket, 
I mean, you got to get the ball first. So um, first things being first with that, I think defensively, they're going to have to really pressure the passes for the United States. And that's easier said than done. And and even while before I completed that sentence, I was picturing how tough that is going to be, (laughs) especially with, you know, Sue Bird playing the way she's playing. And Chelsea Gray's passes last night were just phenomenally timed. I mean, not that we're surprised by that. But she was just making play after play. She was just surveying the floor and striking exactly when she was supposed to on time, on target, bounce passes into post players who were sitting down, holding their seals. It was very fundamentally sound. So, yes, you're going to have to try to get in the face of Chelsea Gray and Sue Bird and Skylar Diggins-Smith, for that matter, who are going to be attempting to make plays by moving the ball. And that's what USA did really well against Australia. They got it side to side. They hit the second side. They got great actions and timing with their screens. And I just think that if they continue to be in that kind of a flow, that's going to be tough for Serbia to to contain. And whether or not the ball goes in or not, I'm just thinking of how you're going to be moving prior to shots going up. Like, what is your defense going to look like prior to shots going up, like how disruptive can you be? And I think that's going to be the a number one key for Serbia is to just lock in on the defensive end, get the stops necessary. You're going to have to box out low and strong against this front line for the USA team, or you're going to struggle. They cannot Mm -hmm. allow second shots. They cannot allow um, three point shots to go up the way they were against Australia. And now the U S team has struggled from three. So if they can force more threes and not give up shots inside the three-point arc uh, that are uncontested, um, that are single covered, um, I think they'll have a great job. Uh, They'll do a great job defensively if they can force that kind of action from the U.S. team. But, you know, not many teams have found success at that so far. And, you know, you have to rely on U.S. not making their threes. And and that could give you a chance. Which can happen. That could happen. And that's that's what they're going to have to force. They're going to have to force them outside the three-point line. They're going to have to not give up second shots. And they're going to have to do their due diligence of pressuring the ball. Those three things. If they can get that done, they could give the U.S. a problem. Yeah, I just wonder if you can muck up a game enough against this U.S. team. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to this is a U.S. team that can get in the muck. They, they, this is a team that mm-hmm. is... Um, you know, I, I, I don't like, like gritty is a word we use for a different thing, but this team is gritty in, in the real, in the real sense of that word that they'll, they'll play, you know, they can play slow. You want to play yeah. slow. You want to, you want to get in the passing lanes. You want to force us out of, you know, a beautiful flowing game. Right. We can do that. <laughs> we have Brittany Griner. We have, we right. have Brandon Stewart. Our, you know, Brittany Griner, Brittany Stewart, we have Asia Wilson. We can just throw it down to them and have them post up. And our our bigs are going to score more than your bigs will. There you go. And and that I think that's the problem when you're trying to do, when, which I think Serbia is going to try to do. I think they are going to try to muck it up as much as possible. But when you're trying to do that and you're against a team that can live in that space – Right. I think it's a it's a really really tall task, verging on impossible. Because um, this team is really good. The, this Serbian team is really good. I don't want to take anything away from them. I just think their style is not what you would want against the United States. Um, mm-hmm. You're either gonna have to go, you know, mano a mano, and, and try to just 
hope they miss their shots, like you said, and, and you know, hope you make yours. It, it, that could happen. I think France can kind of play that strategy, as we'll talk about later. And right. you know, I think Japan's strategy also of just we're going to shoot as many threes as humanly possible <laughs> right. is also a pretty good strategy. They're so we could talk about both those teams, but I, I just don't see it um, with Serbia. But I don't want to eat my words, so I'm going to say there's there's always a chance, there's always a chance that it works. Um, but how about this yeah. Chinese team? They they have a very very bright future. They are ahead of yeah. schedule. This team is extremely young. Um, mm-hmm. And Hanju, who I'm guessing most of the people listening to this podcast have heard of, and, yes. and there's a lot of players on this team who are really good. But the one you've heard of is Hanju with the New York Liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, she looked incredible. Like it, it was. Yeah. It was a revelation. I mean, she was kind of playing like a taller Brianna Stewart. I don't want to. I want to put that on her, but just right. that sort of that sort of style. She's she's driving. She's yeah. shooting from deep. She's playing inside. She's getting rebounds. She played an amazing game, and she's played really well in this mm-hmm. uh, tournament. But China looks like a team with a really really bright future. Yeah, and you have to love that, and and that's the balance. You love to see the balance of players. And Hansu has just been, like you said, incredibly fantastic in terms of her efficiency and not just her skill set. Everyone can have a skill set, but when you are efficient and productive and impact the team in a positive way, I mean, there's not a lot you could say that's negative about that kind of situation um, for the Chinese team. And I, I think you're right. I mean, they're super young. They have players that are, are bookmarks. Uh, I said it again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say bookmarks from now on. It's bookmarks. Um, bookmarks from here on in. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that they are they are looking at her to be a, a linchpin moving forward. No question about it. And and she just possesses that fire. I mean, she plays the game um, very smooth, but she has this fire inside of her that just comes out like after she makes a, a great play. And not that she's a, a beat the chest kind of player, mm-hmm. but it's just she gets the job done. Like she gets the ball, she gets the job done, and she's going the other way um, on the defensive end to play with that same kind of heart. And and that's what she brings to the New York Liberty as well. But I, I just I love her game and the upside for that team is is, you know, no limits on it because of their their youth movement that they have going on there as well. It, it, it's a, I think this is a, there's something special brewing there. Um, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to have to start paying attention to the Chinese league because everyone, everyone on this Chinese team plays in the Chinese league. So right. I'm guessing that's going to be a, a, a next frontier here for scouting in the WNBA mm-hmm. is making sure you're watching those Chinese league games because there's some really, really good players. This is China's uh, best finish since 2008 when they were oh. fourth. Uh, they placed fifth because of point differential. Um, and right. they, you know, they haven't meddled since 1992, but that could change. That could change in a hurry. Um, yes. Once we get to 2024 in Paris. So, you know, nothing to hang their head about in China. I'm sure they're upset because mm-hmm. losing sucks, but right. it, it's something that happens. Um, right side. Right side. Yeah. Speaking of losing sucks, I am heartbroken Man. for the Belgian cats and Emma Mieseman. We talked about this team on our last show about how much talent they had and how, how they've been building. This has been a movement. In Belgian basketball, as far as I understand, um, it, this has been a movement towards this year being a year where mm-hmm. they could medal. This is their first Olympic Games. They thought this team could really do something, and they had the talent to do it. But they ran into a Japanese team in a special place. 
I think we see this pretty often in host yeah. host country host countries for the Olympics for the World Cup. You perform a little bit better, um, yes. and not in front of fans this year, but you, it, it's that feeling of we gotta put mm-hmm. on. Yeah, uh, and Japan is doing it. Um, full disclosure: neither of us watched this game because it was on at four a.m. Right. <laughs> I we it. have. We haven't. I tried. Have not, I really tried. I think I nodded off at three forty. I really tried. <laughs> I was trying. But I, I, you know, my eyelids got a little too heavy. But an epic game um, that had 13 lead changes. Fantastic game for the Japanese. And I think this team is really special. But first, I, we, we should talk about um, the Belgians and what they're going through. To get the stats, Emma Miesemann had 25 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. Kim Mestog, formerly of the Washington Mystics, 24 points seven rebounds, five assists, and she missed the game winner, um, yeah. which is really yeah. tough. But, man, you know, what What do you think is – this Belgian team has a chance to be together in 2024, but yeah. th- this is just gutting for them. I, I, you know, I didn't watch the game, like we said, but at the same time, you know, I saw clips and mm-hmm. photos and, you know, gosh, and uh, – Losing is, I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, you, you can't say anything to make it better. Like you can't say, we'll give it another try in 2024, even though that's what it, that's what yeah. you're going to say. Um, nothing makes that, that sting go away. And that, and that's not just in the moment. That's like a forever sting. If you are a, a coach or you've played or, You've been invested in in your team as a, a super fan. Listen, that sting stays, and nobody can say anything to take it away. Mm-hmm. So, in that regard, I feel sick to my stomach for the Belgian cats. And oh my gosh, especially Emma and Kim, who planted some some roots here in the DC mm-hmm. area, playing with the Mystics. I, I just felt so badly that they didn't advance. I mean, a one point loss. I mean, you look back at the stats and yes, they, the two of them had, had great stats, but when you're looking at a one point loss, I mean, one defensive play different, one rebound, one shot that falls. I mean, those are the things that stick with you in a one point loss. And I'm speaking from experience and I was, and, and not just as a player, but as a coach, and, you know, as a parent of players mm-hmm. who play, like it stays and it's, and it's so, it, it is heartbreaking because, you know, they've worked and sacrificed to be in the situation, to be in the Olympic games in the first place, but then not to uh, do what you want to do in the games that, that is hard. And who knows what things will look like in 2024, so you can't say, okay, well, let's yeah, push yeah. through to the next time. Cause man, we were talking about Australia having a different looking team, USA having a different looking team. Hey, Belgium could have a different looking team. Mm-hmm. So it's like in the moment you miss the mark and there's just no cure for that feeling, unfortunately, but valiant effort. I mean, they were out there balling. They, no. I mean, to get to this point, I mean, to qualify, to play, and to be in, in Tokyo and, and competing on that in this game international stage. 
in this game, they were fantastic. <laughs> like, yeah. you you can't ask for much more from from a team. I mean, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look up their um, shooting percentages. Yeah, they shot 58 50.8 percent from the field, 52 percent from three. I mean, from uh, two point range, and then 47.8 percent from three. Like, you can't ask for uh. that much more. They only had nine turnovers. I mean, nine turnovers. That's that's more than you want, but that's less than some other teams, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, it's, it's even worse that you can't say, well, we had a bad night. No, you just, it, it's basketball. It happens. Yeah. And that's, that is Hate it. so magnified in the Olympics too. No doubt. I mean, you, you build up so much to this point. Like I was saying, Belgium built up, Belgium built up to this point. This was, the, right. this was the time, you know, that's right. And, and to see it go away. And I feel for, for, you know, every, there's so many, athletes in the circumstance now where mm-hmm. you prepare for years and years and years to get to here, you know, whether yeah. it's the triple jump, whether it's the 400 meter hurdles, you know, it, it kind of feels like actually in both the 400 meter hurdles for the men's and the women's, right? Yes. The second place finisher beat the world record and world still, record. Won, and still didn't get the gold. That's what I was going to say about the, the 400 meter hurdles, you know, and, and the young man, um, from the U.S. What is his name? Do you remember I forgot, his name? I his name. I, but the interview after that, oh my gosh, I was sick for him because he said, I ran my best time ever and still lost. Rob Benjamin. And, okay, there we go. Say it again. Rob Benjamin. Yes, Benjamin. And he said, I ran my best time. And like you said, uh, set a world record and still came up second in the world and got a silver, which is no slouch, but you want the gold, man. And that's so, and again, like, and everybody's going to say, well, you got the silver. You're good. No, you're not good. You know, you want, you set these goals for yourself. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't come to fruition, because you don't prepare yourself to lose mentally, number one, you don't have that in your psyche. Like you're going Mm -hmm. for it. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to entertain losing. If you're a super competitor, you're not entertaining. Well, what happens if we lose? No, you're talking about to yourself, I'm winning. Mm-hmm. And he did win in terms of the world record, but he yeah. lost the competition. And it's like, and that's almost the same way with the Belgium team. Like you did your best, like stats don't lie. Like they were, they were crushing it and just fell short. And that's just, oh my gosh, it's so sad. And it's, and it's unfortunate, but somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And I know that's cliche, but I don't know. I mean, again, there's probably one thing that could have gone a different way. The butterfly effect, you know, of that whole situation. One one ball for them bounces out of the, the basket mm-hmm. and they win by one. Like, come on. Like, it, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just uh, sports. And, and you hate it or you love it. I mean, you, it's, yeah. <laughs> you well, I, hate, I hate it. I hate it for Emma. I do too. Emma's one of the kindest people like I've ever met. In, in doing this in sports, you know, one of the kindest people. And, you know, I, she, she did everything she could. There's nothing more she could have done, but you know, as you're saying, she doesn't think that, you know, they, I'm looking at the stat sheet, Belgium missed one free throw. They were eight of nine from the line. Missed one free throws. Emma's free throw. She was five of six from the line. They lost by a point. You Dang know, that's it. eating, you know, that's eating away at her. And of I feel course. so bad because she is such a nice person. You just want to tell her like it, you know, you, you did everything, but that's not how these athletes think. No. Um, 
and I, I feel I, I feel for them. But I think this team, you know, I was looking at their ages, and as you said, it's so unpredictable. You know, who could have seen where we're at right now? Um, we've been doing this podcast in our house for like a year or something can change. I but, know. But it's just, I, I think they'll be back. I think this team should still be competitive on the national stage for a long time. I do want to talk about Japan, though, because as, yeah. as bad as I feel for Belgium, I am elated for Japan because this team is really cool. Uh, Ruri Machida had, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. I'm sorry if I'm not. 14 assists in this game. She mm. put up 19 assists against Nigeria, which is an Olympic yeah. record. And she's averaging 12.8 assists in the Olympic tournament, only on. Sue Bird is even closer, and Sue Bird has like 7.6 assists. Right. So, right. It, an incredible performance. And this team plays just like the, a perfect, like futuristic style. They take a ton of threes, they bomb threes. They're averaging by far the most threes in the Olympics. I think they're averaging like 10 more than the United States. They're at 30, mm-hmm. 34.3 three point attempts per game. And that's just their style. Like this is the Japanese style is to play this, this, the, I don't, I guess we can call it the golden state, whatever, <laughs> you know, spray threes. Um, yeah. And it's interesting too, because Jennifer AZ before the games, I don't know if you remember this in that press conference, mm-hmm. she, she was did. saying, um, she was talking about the Japanese team that they face. And she was saying that was a futuristic team. That team predicted what would happen because they yep. just were spraying threes. And this Japanese team is continuing that legacy. And for them to get to this point is extremely yeah. special because, you know, this is not a this is not a country that is, you know, particularly used to being in this spot. In fact, this is the first time they've gotten past the quarterfinals. So mm. I'm elated for Japan. Awesome to see the home nation doing this. Um but what do you what do you think about just this jet that I, I like that they have a style, you know? Yeah. We see that in soccer a lot. Mm-hmm. They have styles that go through decades and generations. This Japanese team has a style that goes through decades and generations. Yeah. I, I just didn't know. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, you blink and you miss cuts. Like they move without the ball better than any team that I've seen. And I'm not, that's not shade, that's style, right? They take hard, purposeful cuts off the ball. And that's why they get off so many shots because they're there and, and they're, they're just methodical. They are just very precise with their movements on the offensive end. And when they played the U.S. team, what was it in the first quarter? Didn't they attempt like 18 threes or something like that in the first quarter alone? Uh, so that's their, that's their MO. That's their, everybody knows that's what you're going to get with the team from Japan. Like whether it's in 1996, like Jennifer mm-hmm. AZ was talking about, or currently here in 2021. I mean, the style of play that they present is so hard to guard if you're not ready for it. And if they're knocking in shots, I mean, 19 assists against Nigeria and then 14. And this is by one player alone. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. You've got to make shots you know, to, to get those kinds of assist numbers, but you also have to have a methodical way of playing together as a team, very rhythmic, very on time and precise, as I said. So they just compete hard and they know if they take hard cuts, they're going to get good shots. And they know if they make great passes and the timing of their offense is on point, 
they're going to do what they want to do on the offensive side. And, you know, and that's what they did, you know, to get the wins and, and to get to where they have gotten to in the Olympic game so far. And another team, like you said, the, the Chinese team is, is a team to be on the lookout for the same mm-hmm. for this team from Japan. And, oh, yeah. and not that anyone has ever overlooked the team from Japan, but I tell you what, the way that they play makes things miserable for opponents defensively to keep up with them, not just where the ball is going, but where the off ball movement is going. And you're going to get stuck with the screen. Like you got to be talkative. You have to make sure your teammate isn't getting stuck on screens because they are coming in waves very rapidly. And if you blink, you are going to get stuck and you're going to get exposed. Yeah. No, I think it, it, pro, it poses a big challenge for every team. The U.S. The U.S. blew out China. I mean, uh, Japan in the yes. uh, qualification round. But this, I mean, they lack size, but they make up for it with everything you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the it's it's the men, the small ball mentality, like like yeah. Easy was saying. It's like that's that's what they brought, and they just they move around. I'm I'm excited to see uh, their next game. A lot. I'm very, very excited to see it against France, um, who beat Spain 67-64. Uh, Spanish team, I mean, just awesome. Really fun to watch. On and, yeah. and I love Spanish basketball is actually my favorite style okay. of basketball. Okay. Yeah, there's a little, little hot take um, because I fell in love with Rick Rubio in the 20, 2008. Oh, um, Rubio. Yeah, Summer Olympics. And he was awesome, too, but that's not where it's talking about. He was. Yeah, he was uh, great. For the star for this Spanish team was Astudor Adu, um, mm-hmm. who just had a wonderful tournament, 22 and 10, and a- averaging that. She was unbelievable in this last game against France. Mm-hmm. Mate Cazorla looked great as well. Um, but they fall to a French team who, to me, is the scariest team in the tournament for the United States. Ah. Because they have the bigs. They have wing depth. <laughs> They have Marine Johannes, who's a singular. She's a magician. She, I, I oh God, her. I love, I love yeah. watching her play. It's, 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 it, it, she has a Christy Tolliver quality. Yes. And, and if you've listened to this podcast, you know how much I love Christy. Uh, <laughs> well, Christy and Christy Tolliver. Oh, um, there you go. Okay. Make it plain. <laughs> um, but she has that quality where it's like, at this time, when she has the ball, anything can happen. Yeah. Anything good or bad. Good or bad can happen because she is she just plays basketball without inhibitions. So she's throwing behind the back passes. She's throwing she's throwing ridiculous things that would probably get her benched in some other <laughs> situations. But she's doing it on this team, and she was huge in this game. Uh, had eighteen five and four, um, and she had a really big runner with twenty three seconds left in the game to put mm-hmm. it away for France. And I was mm-hmm. actually in target. Uh, and I was watching on my phone and I go, nice. yeah. And then everyone around me starts staring. And because I'm delirious, I was like, I don't care. I'm, I'm <laughs> I haven't slept. Um, so I, I love the, the French, the French though, like I mentioned, really could pose a threat to the United States. Do you think I'm overstating that? Cause I, they played great against the U S um, in the, in the qualifying, I mean, in the group stage games. No, I think what you said was right on point. I mean, with the, the depth, I think that's what is a clear advantage for the USA team is that they have players who can come in in waves, like you said, with Tarazi getting those two fouls, but then here comes Atkins. And then now we're talking about 
the defensive prowess of the team because of the insertion of a player like Ariel Atkins, who's going to apply that pressure. I just think that when you have a team that has depth, especially on the perimeter, I think you have a huge advantage. And the size, too. I mean, it's comparable to what the U.S. has. So Mm -hmm. I think when you're looking at the big picture and things moving forward, could those teams be the ones, you know, to to go for the gold? And they're very similar in that regard. But I think it's going to come down to who is the most, obviously, who is the most efficient uh, with their depth, who is their most efficient with their size inside and and their ability to execute to those strengths and and how you can take that same thing away from your opponent. So that's that's the uh, mesmerizing part of it for me is to see how how teams counter the strengths of the other team, even when they're very eerily similar to what you present yeah. on the floor. So I think just moving forward, you know, a team like France is it, scary, like you said. I mean, they have players who can pose issues and you have to be on your A game. So we were talking about um, what is it? The what is it? It's a hashtag gold gold mission or what's the, what's their hashtag for USA? I don't basketball. Know. Well, anyway, gold or nothing. And, and that's <laughs> not the hashtag, but there's a hashtag that they've been using um, mission gold or, or something like that. But they are they are well informed in terms of keeping this legacy going. Um, Dawn Staley said she has never felt this level of of pressure as a coach and for her to have done it as a player is something different, mm-hmm. but now to have the weight of, okay, six gold medals. And now you could be the seventh and she doesn't want to be a part of that. Not happening. No. Understand. And she understands that, you know, you're talking about magician. It's all in those sticks that, that Don Staley is waving around on the sideline there for the USA team and, and a ton of pride goes into that. No question about it, but, but with that pride comes that pressure. Oh, yeah. And these other teams, they're really gunning for the U.S. as they should be because of their, their long-standing dominance on the international stage. And this French team almost got them. It was close. I mean, it ended up being a 93-82 win for the U.S. in the group stage finale. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was a lot closer than that. You know, it, it, yeah, got, it got hairy there for a little bit. Uh, and the U.S. pulled it out, but... You know, it, it just this team, this team for France is really well constructed, specifically against the U.S. Um, I think Gabby Williams also, you know, first off, seeing her play basketball again is great because we've missed the first half of the WNBA season with her, um, and she'll be in LA when she comes back next season. She can't play this right. season, uh, right. so she'll be with the Sparks. But it, it's great to see her back. Um, she completely ran over some Spanish player. I was like, man, that's, that is perfect. Gabby Williams. I'm glad we got to, <laughs> got to see her a classic play. Cause she just barreled into lane. She got the, uh, the block call. Um, but she, she left a bruise on whoever that was. I don't remember exactly yeah, no doubt. which Spanish player was. Um, but I do want you, what do you, what do you think about, uh, Gabby, um, her play so far, uh, she had 11 points, three rebounds, four assists, been really strong in the defensive end. Mm-hmm. What do you thought about her play so far and where this is a little bit far field, but where do you think Gabby Williams' career is going? Like, where where do you where do you envision her place in the WNBA when she comes back? Wow, uh, two great questions. I think right now, how do I think she's performing? I think she's steady, and I think mm-hmm. when you're talking about a player like Gabby Williams, that's what comes to mind when you're thinking about her and, and the way that she plays. She's a steady 
minded player. And obviously two way, she's going to give you that, that physicality. Um, she's going to give you that great balance. Um, she can do so many things in terms of, of the variety and, and the flexibility of her positioning on the floor on both sides. And I think that's, that's kind of what you want, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to be uh, boxed into being a certain position on the floor. So I think she's one of those great positionless players. Um, I also think that, you know, futuristically for her with the sparks, I know during the off season, that was like a little up and down with like the business side of things in the league, but that doesn't speak to what she can do on the floor. No. And I think she has a tremendous upside, especially in the WNBA. I think that, you know, once she is able to step foot uh, back here in the United States and play for the sparks next season, I think they're going to be the better for it. I think she just, like I said, she presents so much balance and and flexibility um, when you're talking about um, where you can plug her in to your system. And and Derek Fisher, I'm sure, has a place for her uh, in that regard where he can be really versatile with um, his usage of her on the court. Yeah, and her three-point shooting has really come around too. Yeah. In uh in, in recent years, like she was not a three-point shooter at Connecticut. She didn't take too many when she was a Chicago. Overseas, mm-hmm. she's really found that. And uh, now we've seen players find their stroke overseas and not tr- quite translate to the WNBA. Boom. That's true. But looking at Gabby, it kind of seems like she's added that to her arsenal. She's confident in it. And if she can hit that shot, I think her ceiling could be like, you know, third best player on a championship team. I don't think that's Mm -hmm. out of the question, Um, but Mm -hmm. certainly the type of player that you would want on a championship level team, just because of that versatility, you can, you can put her, you know, your three or four, you can even put her, put her at the two, whatever you need. She can play Mm -hmm. any of those wing positions and guard confidently against most players in those positions. So, you know, I I think she, she's really showing, she's reminding people who she Mm -hmm. is because we haven't seen her in a long time. So, She's reminding the people of what she can do. And I think when she gets back to LA, we're really interested to see where, where her development goes. Um, no, so we've sure. kind of we've kind of previewed the games, I think. <laughs> Japan, France, uh, at 7 a.m. Eastern on Friday. Mm-hmm. Great. Hey, that's in the morning. Uh, USA, USA Serbia, though. <laughs> 12.40 a.m. Eastern on quote-unquote Friday, which is also known as Thursday night, if you're like <laughs> me. So, <laughs> so another late-night start for USA and Serbia. Um, you want to make? Do you want to make picks? We should make picks. Um, sure. Let's make picks. I mean, I, I'm, I'm riding with the U.S. team all the way through this thing. So just go ahead and if we had uh, the bracketology – and you know we had our our, our U.S. Um, team on the on the line there in the quarters, and then now they're moving to the semis. Let's go ahead and plug them in for the yeah. finals, and let's go ahead and plug them in for the gold medal game, and have them win their seventh consecutive gold uh, for the U.S. And okay, hold on, the hold on. Okay, no, you, no, you, no, go, right. you so, go, you go, no, no, no. I, I agree. Okay. Obviously, I, obviously, we're gonna pick the U.S. Uh, here's a better question. This is why I should have okay. let off with. Uh, the U.S. is favored, according to points bet, by 17 and a half points. So can the U.S. beat Serbia by 18 points or more? Ooh. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Can the USA cover? <sighs> and dominant teams dominate. Yes. I say they win by 20 plus. 
And I think it's going to be a barrage of interior play that takes over. I think Wilson and Griner inside, along with Stewie, Tina Charles, Sylvia Fowles, I think it's too much. And while the depth on the perimeter for Serbia may be there, I just don't think they have the firepower for the inside game. And with those shots being high percentage, I think that's going to be an avalanche of offense for the U.S. team. So I say plus 20 in that game. They're going to cover and then and dominate in that game. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Serbia actually to cover. I don't think the U.S. is gonna win by 17 and a half points. So I think they're gonna win by 17 or less. Um, okay. Because I think this game has very has rock fight potential. Um, <laughs> this could turn <laughs> into. This could be like <laughs> yeah. I don't know a 70 to to 52 sort of game, right? Like the, this could be really um, really ugly. Because I think Serbia wants it to be ugly, and the U.S. Yeah. doesn't really care if it's ugly or not. So I think it could get ugly, and because of that, I think it, it, Serbia it will work for them to cover the spread. Uh, I not I don't think it's going to work for them to actually win the game. So I'm, okay. I'm, just pick, I'm picking Serbia to lose by 17 points or less. You got them. Oh, nice. You got the team USA winning by 20 or um, more. Or more. Or 20 or more. <laughs> So Japan and France is the other game. Uh, spread less less important here. Uh, the spread here is France is favored by two and a half points. Wow. So do you want me to make a pick first? Yeah, you pick first because you know I have uh, a difficult time. <laughs> no, I have a difficult <laughs> and time. And you're pulling with on your hat. You're pulling on your hat. Are you good? <laughs> I, I'm good. I, I just I am having trouble with this because I I'm gonna I'm gonna pick France. I think France is a better team. I think they have. I think they're the second best team in this tournament. I think they have a really great mix of players, as we were just talking about. But yeah, none of that matters if Japan just gets hot from three. Right. They're one of those teams. They're one yeah. of those teams, and it kind of it did some. This is kind of has an NCAA tournament vibe. I don't know why I'm getting that from this game. Like, I think this game's going to be insane. I think there's going to yeah. be some bad calls. I think there's going to be some. I think there's going to be controversy. I think it's going to be wild, sort mm-hmm. of you know March Madness type of game. I think yeah. your South your South Carolina Baylor's those types of games. I think that's what we're heading towards here with Japan yes. and France. But but I have to pick the talent. I love this Japanese team. I, I hope I, I hope J- Japan puts on a show, but I'm gonna pick the French. Oh man, I I am for reasons that you just mentioned. I I'm going with the Japan team. I just okay. I just think you know the home soil, and I I just think that that's going to give them the edge that they need, and it will be close. Wow, they're calling it two and a half points for France. I I just think that. You know, can they make two threes, you know, playing with the hometown adrenaline? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say yes to that. And I think that's going to tip the scale for me, Gabe. I'm going with Japan in that one, in a close one, in a squeaker. But I think they're going to hit a couple threes and and kind of play. I have my hand waving in front of my face. They're going to be playing kind of outside themselves a little bit and overachieve from the three-point line in that game to advance because they know what's on the line. That that would be stunning, and I think I don't think it's crazy, but that would be stunning. Um, again, this is a country that has never been to the semifinals in the Olympics. It's their first time, never obviously never medaled in the Olympics, and you know they don't have this sort of 
great basketball tradition that we see with these other teams. So it'd be something really, really special if Japan could get to that gold medal game and could change could change the national um, conversation in basketball, which is already changing in Japan. Um, I mean, our boy Ruri Hachimura is, hel- is helping that along, and Ruri Mashida is helping that along too. So a couple of Ruri's playing really well. Uh, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm not now. Here's the real question. Go ahead. You're gonna stay up for a fourth night straight. I'm gonna be up, man. I, okay. I think, as I told you, I think my whole my body clock has acclimated itself to Tokyo time. <laughs> So right now I feel like it's it's midday, even though the, the sun is about to set here in uh, Northern Virginia. But I, I really think that, uh, yeah, I'm not missing it. And I need to watch live. Uh-huh. I, I can't get the story after the fact. And then it's like somebody telling you the ending of a book and then you go back and yeah. read it. Like, it's just not as exciting. So I'm going to stay up. I'm, I got my popcorn ready. I got my cranberry juice, you know, no ice and the lime right there on the on the on the nightstand. And I'm rocking and rolling these 1240 games. I'm good for them. Yeah. I'm up. It's just the my, four o'clock, five a.m. four and five a.m. pressers. Those are hard, yeah. but I can, I can, I've tried and struggled. But I'm, I, I'm I have my venti, uh, <laughs> my venti Starbucks cold brew, um, that with me for court on court side now. Venti Starbucks cold brew, um, any any sort of smelling salts, uh, just a bucket <laughs> of cold water to pour on me. That's what I'm hanging out with in court side right now. Not the smelling no. salts. <laughs> Shouts to the men too for also making me go through this. Yeah, um, shout out. I'm not worried about the women's team. I'm watching the women's team because I enjoy watching them. I'm watching the men's team because I'm freaking worried about them. Yeah. So it's a much different experience and it's a too That's much. True. It's too much. Yeah, so it's it, a lot. It's just a lot. Yeah. And and I I you know I I will stay up for that Serbia game, but if I don't, it's because I've fallen asleep on the floor in my living room, um, and someone should text my wife to make sure that I'm okay. Yeah, and we need to text her to also get a a, a video or a, a photo of that. If you do uh, not make it through the game because you fell asleep, we need we need video evidence of that. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'll make sure we get we get that on Twitter. <laughs> Please. And I'll retweet it because that's what we do out here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast network. As always, my friend, great conversating with you today about some great Olympic hoops going on in Tokyo, where I feel that I am right now because my body clock is Mm. jacked. But (laughs) I digress. We are looking forward to the second half of the WNBA season, which is right around the corner. But until then... Let's go USA, both men's and women's team. For Christy Winter-Scott and Gabe Ibrahim, thank you for joining us today on Courtside with Christy and Gabe. We'll see you next time. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So... Do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.